Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm Joel Grote. So delighted you're with us. We've come to the conclusion, part four of John Kim's story. In parts one, two, and three, John was incredibly candid and open about growing up as a Mormon on the autism spectrum, his struggles with pornography, and the guilt and shame that accompanied that his fear when faced with the possibility of going on his LDS mission, moving into crystals and eventually into atheism for a time, and finally coming to where he felt he needed to investigate the documents behind the New Testament. And that brings us to today. So here's the conclusion to John Kim's story. Over there at Grace Community Bible Church, uh, I met uh, one of the pastors, Pastor David Jansen, um, mm-hmm. and we met several times afterward. And he answered a lot of my questions about the Bible and uh, how we could be sure it's reliable, um, you know, whether the stuff in it is true or not, uh, and that the original texts were reliably preserved to the present day. Um, mm-hmm. And I started getting involved at Grace as a volunteer sound engineer. Um, and so I would do the uh, sound for their Sunday worship service. And before that, I would always go to Pastor David's uh, Sunday school class where uh, he was doing his uh, How We Got the Bible series. And it was there I sort of learned how I had been misinformed by the Mormon church about the Bible's reliability. Yeah, Because uh, I was... T- like, it's hilarious in hindsight. I was literally taught the Dan Brown version of the Bible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Jesus where, was married. <laughs> well, yeah. where, where, uh, well, specifically, like, I was taught multiple times growing up that uh, the Bible texts were just thrown together arbitrarily at the Council of Nicaea in 400 right. AD. Such a common um, myth. Both atheists and Mormons make that same argument. How right. silly is that? Um, they shouldn't yeah. be on the same page. Yeah, and so, like, you know, there, there's tons of time for uh, those documents to be edited. Um, what I found out from Pastor David's class was, well, no, that's not the case. Uh, mm-hmm. There are um, 2,000-odd manuscript copies of the New Testament works, um, not including like fragments and stuff. I think those are uh, whole New Testaments. Um, and you may say, okay, well, what's in the number? Well, like Homer's Iliad has 23 known copies of it. And the earliest one of those dates to like after a thousand years, uh, exactly. one or 2000 years after the original writing. Um, exactly. Yep. Uh, the Bible has been, uh, the New Testament in particular has been copied uh, 2,000 times. I think the Old Testament's another 4,000. Um, 
in many different languages, and the earliest copies date back to... Uh, the earliest fragments date back to the first century, and the earliest complete Bibles are only one or... 150 years removed from the original yeah. writing. So and we'll have to link um, back in the show notes by because that we standard, just had yeah. um we just had a pastor who has his doctorate do a whole series on the manuscript evidence. So if there's people out there that are interested in that and more of the details, we'll link back to that in the show notes for them because it's fascinating. And the New Testament together and canonical as canon long before right. the council of and, Nicaea. And so uh yeah, so if someone edited it, they would have had to have edited it within the first, like, few decades of these documents, and no one knew these would be, like, the most popular book on Earth yet, so, like, the chances of that happening before it gets sent around to be copied like this, extremely low, and um, I decided... Yeah, you can't be 100% certain that this is... Like, there's always, like, the case where, like, someone stole First Peter out of Peter's hands and changed the word before it got to anyone. But, like, <laughs> you know, when you when you realize how yeah. ridiculous that sounds, it's like, no, uh, the New Testament has been reliably preserved from its original writing because we can check all right. the copies that have been made um, before any alterations could have been made. Um and so once I realized the New Testament was reliable, I could take the gospel narratives of the life of Jesus as... As gospel. Um, <laughs> at least having been reliably preserved, if not historical truth yet. And uh, one of my professors at the U actually introduced me to the work of uh, um, Gary Habermas and yeah. his minimal facts arguments. Um mm -hmm. And uh, Deanna introduced me to Jay Warner Wallace's yeah, Cold Case resources. Christianity. Um, yeah, so uh, between those two, it became readily apparent that the only acceptable explanation for all the facts in the gospel narrative uh, is the resurrection of Jesus. Um, no competing explanation uh, makes all the facts work. You know, it wasn't a lie. It wasn't a hallucination. Um, because, and it, you know, wasn't a story written hundreds of years after the fact. There's just too much disproving all those alternatives. And so I was, around fall of uh, 2018, I was in this very awkward position where mentally I recognized the resurrection of Jesus is a historical fact and uh, I didn't know what to do with that <laughs> like yeah. Uh, yeah it's intellectual but yeah, yeah what so, do you do with that but right? like but it's got to yeah, be personal right god right, has it, to touch you yeah yeah uh being a christian is uh yeah putting your faith in uh christ's death to for on behalf of your sins um, and that is a relational thing. It's an ongoing relationship with, uh, the God of all creation, the God who, um, made math, the God who made your soul, uh, the God who is seen and has guided every single moment of your life. 
um, that you have been constantly rebelling against. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's having that relationship with him that makes the difference. Uh, and I didn't want to make that leap. Um, and I was just stuck in this uh, spiritual limbo for several months. Um, and then in uh, January of 2019, um, that started to change when I met you, Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> How um, cool. Where did you meet Lynn? So, uh, so uh, Deanna Biles brought me to a radio event where Lynn was uh, speaking. Um, I think it might have been for Caleb. I don't quite remember. Or for the KUTR but... radio banquet, maybe? Probably, oh, that's probably, probably it. It was a banquet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Good to know. Yeah. So maybe at Calvary Chapel. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Um, yeah. But uh, as you can see, we're both a little foggy <laughs> on it. But um, uh, I met Lynn there. Uh, I I went up after your uh, uh, great presentation um, to get my copy of Unveiling Grace signed. Um, and you started asking me about my life and where I was. And I told you that. Uh, I had grown up in the Mormon church and I knew Jesus's resurrection was true, but, and, you know, I was just kind of stuck and, uh, uh, Lynn, you, you just kind of put down everything in your hands, your signing pen, your books, uh, you shooed the rest of the line off and, uh, you came to me and you gave me this big old hug and for like 10 minutes it's the longest hug i've ever had in my life like uh and... <laughs> i think that's illegal now <laughs> yeah um but you gave me this big long hug and you told me a bunch of stuff and i don't remember most of it uh but um the thing you said that has stuck with me was uh you told me Look, you've been hurt by the lies of men. You've been hurt uh, by the lies of the Mormon church, um, which are not true. But uh, Jesus is God. He is the uh, source of all power and truth and righteousness, and he is love. And he will not let you down like the Mormon church did. You can put your trust in him safely. And like both of us were in tears and like, uh, yeah, I had to sit on that and process that for another month. Wow. Um, cause I was so scared to put my trust in another religion after being burned so bad by the Mormon church. Um, yeah. But you were, you were right, Lynn. It wasn't me committing to a religious system. It was me committing to the truth and to the true God who wanted a relationship with me and who died to make that relationship possible. Um, and so a month later in February, 2019, um, I was 
grabbing uh, Chinese food with Pastor David, and uh, he helped me understand that uh, the grace of God uh, by which we are saved is a free gift. Um, it's not like Mormonism where you have to prove yourself worthy of it. Uh, you have to earn it. You, it is unavailable to you unless you mark off all the check boxes. Uh, no, according to the Bible, um, grace is the free grif- the free gift of God already paid for because he died to purchase it. Um, and so there's nothing you have to do or even could do if you wanted to to earn it or uh for like it's all god freely offered to you and i i felt something welling up within me and i told him you know what i i want that i i want that free gift and uh so we uh, prayed together, and in that uh, Chinese restaurant, I uh, put my belief in Jesus, and he became my savior and master, and I became his servant and uh, his child, um, and... Uh, my soul was regenerated. I was born again. And uh, my life has not been the same since. And it's so different from the empty promises of grace offered in the Mormon church, where it's something extended to you after you die if you're worthy enough to want to accept God's forgiveness or some malarkey like that. No, that's damnable. Don't tell people they can't be accept Christ as their savior until after they die. You have to do it now while you're alive. This is the time to do that. Mm. Uh, um and the proof is in the proof is in the pudding. It's life is not the same afterwards. Um, I was able to look at all these sins I had committed in my life, you know, uh, you know, indulging in pornography, lust, lying, stealing, cheating, uh, self-aggrandizement, uh, not honoring my parents. And uh, now, instead of not being able to deal with that and only able to continue in that, I'm able to put Christ first and I am delivered from those yeah. things. It's if the sun sets you free, right. You are free indeed. Indeed. And has he set you free from the porn struggles? Yeah, it has been a continuing struggle. Um, it can sometimes come back, um, mm -hmm. not because like Christ has failed to deliver me from it, but because I am uh, choosing to 
not persevere in that deliverance. Does that does that make sense? Oh, right, yeah. or just yes. rest rest in what he's done, right? Right. So you you said something, I think, in episode two that I'm going to pick up on here. You said when you went to nihilism, the world was gray. Things seemed like they had no meaning, right? Like once I made that choice like you did for Christ, I had the most strange thing. Colors came alive for me. Literally, the grayness was gone and I saw things more alive. I felt more alive and the things around me seemed more alive. We were just talking about how we both love bird watching, but that was a freaky thing for me. It was all of a sudden life was in technicolor. Can you describe some of the differences? Being a Mormon life is cold there's a promise of a fire at the top of the mountain and let's say it's mount everest it, it's an enormous mountain it's there's a, there's a fire up there and you can get warm if you make it to the top of the mountain but it's not there <laughs> there is no fire on top of the mountain and as you try to strive for it you end up just living a completely uh cold and uh exhausted exhausting distorted life uh uh, since i put my faith in christ he has brought the fire down to me um through his death on the cross and now life is very warm it's always bright a little sparkly and i don't necessarily mean that in the visual sense but it's like there's always hope and it's always full and satisfying because it's a real hope there is a life to come with a perfect uh recreation of the world and of our bodies so that we no longer have to live in any degree of separation from God and his love. And when that's on the horizon and it's real and it's not an empty promise, how can't the rest of your life become a joy? (laughs) I love to hear that. And there is joy in Christ, isn't there? And you said some restored relationships with your parents even. Uh, this past year in particular, I've been working towards honoring my parents more because uh, historically that's been the uh, 10, that, that's been one of the commandments I've been the best at breaking. It has done a lot to start to heal things. It, it's been healing slowly, but this has accelerated it because it shows them, even if, even if they don't want to believe it, it shows them wow john john's really different now um and it's like he finally sees me instead of just seeing mom or just seeing dad Mm. it's like no now we actually have 
a personal relationship and you know it it is trying to flourish amidst the scars and pain and uncertainty but like it it's it is flourishing it is regrowing and it's regrowing on a much healthier foundation um because you're healthier probably huh well yeah it's it's the work of the holy spirit uh overflowing out into my relationships and my work and my thinking it's incredible i can't i can't have ever earned this it's just because he loves me and wants to use me to uh bring more people to him yeah so we're down to the last maybe five minutes, Joel. Um, is yeah. there anything in particular you'd like to say to Mormons who struggle or Mormons who have gone to atheism? If you're still Mormon and you're struggling with the stuff that doesn't make sense, you have permission to come to the conclusion that it doesn't make sense because it's false. Two plus two equals five, not. <laughs> You're formerly Mormon and are now an atheist. Then you threw out the Bible with the Book of Mormon without anyone having told you that there is a difference. The Bible is God's word and there is definitive proof of that in every page. Check out prophecy, check out typology, uh, check out the ontology, uh, its statements about what is and is not. It will blow you away. To both groups, I just want to say that you have both been through a lot of pain, probably a lot of gaslighting, um, a lot of self-doubt and uncertainty, and almost almost certainly uh, more shame and guilt than a person can bear. Lay those down at the foot of the cross. For Jesus is God, and he is the only one with the power to take those from you and to begin healing you. There is a real hope, a real joy, a real religion, one that is actually true and that does not betray. And just as... Uh, People who have been in abusive relationships have trouble trusting healthy relationships. You're in the same spot where you may be having trouble trusting the idea of a real religion after a false religion. Um, yeah. Just as there are real healthy relationships, there is a real healthy, true, demonstrably provable real religion. And it is in the worship of the God who became a man, Jesus Christ. Not the man who became a God. Right. A, a being like that could not create math, could not create physics, uh, because he would be borrowing a physical body from a previous creator who would be borrowing his physical... No. There is an uncreated creator. There is an almighty force sustaining every moment of your life and of the world around you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. Don't run away. 
Stop running away. Stop rejecting this offer of grace, this free offer of grace, which you can accept right now. And his name oh, is Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Wow. Deep stuff. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Thanks so much, John. Thanks for opening up your life and your heart to us and to our audience. Um, no, thanks wow. for having me. It's all for the glory of God. Amen. And God bless you. We'll have to keep in touch as your life and career and things progress. Who knows? Maybe we'll swing back around. And in the meantime, thanks so much for sharing so much of who you are with us and with our listeners. Grace and peace, my friend in Christ. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear how this ended up. Um, yeah, thank thank you, you for helping me along the way, Lynn. Oh, it, it's all God, right? He puts the right people in your path at the right time. Amen. If One thing I hope people at home get from this is listen to my story and see how God used every aspect of my life to lead me back to him. Uh, including all the struggles with autism, with uh, pornography, with the Mormon church, uh, with uh, cowardly uh, running away to music school, um, with meeting the people I did there. Uh, he used all of that to bring me to him. He is doing something similar in your life. Open up your eyes. Amen. 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 Well, grace and peace, my friends. Until next time. <laughs> Goodbye. So Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We have an exciting announcement. Michael Wilder's new book, Passport to Heaven, is out, and for a donation of $20 or more to the podcast, we'll send it to you. It's the true story of a zealous Mormon missionary who discovers the Jesus he never knew. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the Micah's Book button to get yours. We appreciate your support of the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.